So many men are petrified by women. They won't approach them at all. Right. They have no idea how to talk to them. They're just petrified into immobility. And that's way more common than you think. And so that breeds resentment like you wouldn't believe. So here, Jordan's making the analogy that Medusa represents this aspect of women, right? The idea that um, women can petrify men into inaction. It's a very interesting analogy. No, you know, it's that, and that's the problem, too. If you're chronically rejected by people, it's often because of your own insufficiencies. You know, whether that's cowardice or lack of social skills or whatever it is, it's like, you can't just brush it off as, oh, well, you know, no one likes me, but really I'm okay. It's like... True. That's, that's right. Um, unfortunately, in life as a man, uh, you get no, uh, <laughs> no sympathy, right? If you have nothing to offer, you get nothing. That's, that's fundamentally how, uh, how life works as a man. So if you're not providing value, you, you'll get nothing out of the world. That's, that's true, unfortunately. No. No, wrong. If everyone rejects you, there's probably something wrong. And it's probably deep and difficult, and it's going to be horrible to fix. And so, it's, this isn't a trivial problem. It's not a trivial problem at all. And so, you know, that's Mother Nature for men, too, because from, from the sexual selection point of view, if, they, if they're not selected as a mate, nature has taken them out of the game, right? Literally, that's exactly right. And here's the thing, guys. 2022, here's how it works, okay? The sexual market is deregulated. And so what that means is that bef whereas before it was more like, you know, socialism for relationships, right? Where there was enforced monogamy and uh, enforced marriage. Now it's not like that at all. Now the SMP uh, is, is open. And so what that means is... 80% of men are invisible to the average woman. And you can imagine for, for the above average woman, how many men are invisible. And so many men, many more men are out of the game than ever before, right? And I mean, it's kind of an unprecedented time in human history, although eh, unprecedented might be a strong word. It has happened before at the apex of, uh, of human empire in the past. It has. Hello and welcome. To the Helios blog. My name is Helios here for another reaction video. If you're new to the channel, liking the content, uh, hit the subscribe button, hit all for notifications. If you'd like to support me, I do have a Patreon with exclusive content. It's patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Just go there and subscribe to the um, Nebula tier. You could also drop me a donation like Tom M. Again, it's patreon.com slash the Helios blog. All right, uh, let's continue. Great. And so, you know, people don't really like that. They're not that happy with that. Of so, course. But getting all whiny about it and then getting violent is like, that's just not all, not really very helpful, although it's very common. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, but many men, they get angry about it because they were lied to their whole lives. They were told that there's someone special for everyone. They were told that, you know, basically that there's a chance for everyone, right? And they, they you know, so they go looking for, for girls who get rejected by every single one and don't understand what's happening. They don't understand that they need to be competitive in order to be successful, right? You have to be a superior man. Women are looking for men that are better than them in every single way. Taller, stronger, smarter, faster, uh, more attractive, uh, more intelligent, uh, make more money, every aspect possible. And if you're not one of these men, then in 2022, you're just not getting picked. That's how it goes. And so 
men like this get picked by many different women, right? And so, and then these these women get mad, right? They they get mad that uh uh fundamentally that those men have options, right? And it's really funny. Um, I'm going to make a reaction video to Patrice O'Neill, but he said that he said. Um, uh, best relationships are ones where the girl knows that you can just leave. You can leave righteously. Like, so she's never 100% secure in you staying. Uh, and it's because of that. A guy with options wouldn't just take anything, right? So this is Lynn Isabel. An evolutionary arms race between early snakes and mammals triggered the development of improved vision and large brain in primates, a radical new theory suggests. These are old representations. I really like this one. This is, I, I don't remember, I think it's Greek, but it doesn't exactly look Greek, it might be older. It doesn't matter anyways. You see, it's the same thing, same ideas as, as Graham's dream, right? It's like, there's this thing that exists, this, this multi-headed snake, and it's got this infinity problem. It's everywhere, that's that little circle down there. And the problem is, well, what do you do with it? You cut off one head, seven more grow. That's the eternal problem of life, and the problem is, there, there, there is the category of problems in life, and it ain't going anywhere. And so the question is, can you deal with the whole category at the same time? That's the thing. That's how to be in the world, is to deal with that category all at the same time. And so how did, how did human beings, what did they come up with as a solution? And that's so cool too, because the solution they come up with, not only was the heroism that allows you to approach what you're terrified by and what you find offensive, and to learn from it, but also the idea of sacrifice and if i mean if only that were true in 2022 right the the facing what you find offensive and uh and learning from it like no that's not what happens in 2022 it's it's like oh i'm offended by something let's shut it down let's cancel it let's let's make it go away right um let's just put let's let's um you know hide it under the rug right because then everything will be fine like brush it under the rug. Like it'll be, it'll be fine. Like no, if you don't deal with this thing, and and the thing that I'm talking about is fundamentally um, that most men are invisible. That is a gigantic problem that's destabilizing society right now, and if not right this second, ten or twenty years down the line, guys. I mean, just think about it. All these women. Um, 35 plus who are going to be single and childless, right? Because they all wanted Chad and only very few got him, right? And and the rest of the men are invisible. Like, that's going to be a gigantic destabilizer for society. And more, um, men choosing either to marry girls that are foreign or um, choosing to move away to foreign countries or choosing not to date and marry at all as a result of, of this, it's it's not like, it's a gigantic problem. Like, it's not just something that you can, you know, just gloss over and it'll be fine. Like, no, that's not how. No, no. And that was played out by cultures everywhere, including human sacrifice. And you think, what the hell was up with those crazy bastards so long ago? They were sacrificing to gods all the time. What kind of clueless behavior was that? Burn something and please God. Burn something valuable and please God. It's like, what was with them? What were they thinking? Well, they weren't stupid, those people. 
If they were stupid, we wouldn't be here. They were not stupid, and believe me, they lived under a lot harsher conditions right. than we exactly. do. So those were some tough people, man. You know, back then you'd last about 15 minutes, and so you don't want to be thinking of your ancestors as stupid. Like, there's no real evidence that we're much different cognitively than we were 150,000 years we're not actually their lives were harder and and um they understood things a little bit better than us in in many ways uh, unfortunately right they they certainly understood human nature better and people like cop to it you know they admitted to it now it's like this this la la land of everything's happy on the surface and once the porcelain mask falls away everything is rotted underneath that's that describes 2022 perfectly um yeah Oh, uh, and uh, with regards to the sacrifice in order to get, you know, what you want. Uh, it, it, it's just like um, a metaphor for life, right? If you're able to sacrifice something you find valuable um, in the hopes of gaining a better future, it, 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 what that does to the human psyche is give it hope, right? The idea is... Um, Maybe right now things are bad, but the gods will favor me in the future. It's like uh, the concept of this too shall pass, right, is the, is the idea, right? Um, the biblical idea anyway. Years ago. So anyways, sacrifice. What does that mean, sacrifice? Well, it's a discovery, man. It's the discovery of the future. It's like the future is actually the place where there is threat. And it's always going to be there. So what do you do? You make sacrifices in the present so that the future is better. Right. Accurate. Everyone does that. That's what you're doing right now. That's what you're Accurate. doing here. That's what your parents are doing when they pay money to send you to university. They think you can bargain with reality. It's amazing. You can bargain with reality. You can forestall gratification now. And it'll pay off at a place and time that doesn't even exist yet. It's like that's exactly right, and what's funny is that the best, the, the like the the most successful humans in history, were the ones that were the best at bargaining like this, the ones that were the best at um, effectively delaying gratification, and um, you know uh, when they say the meek shall inherit the earth, that's also in the in the Bible. The, uh, I think the idea there is humans are meek, right? Like, think about how a human is compared to a tornado or a tsunami or an earthquake or, you know, uh, um, any sort of major cataclysm, uh, volcanic eruption. But who has inherited the earth, right? Humans working together. So it's crazy to think about. All right. Um, let's uh, read this article by Rollo. Uh, it's called Chauvinism. Okay, so here's what chauvinism means, at least uh, the dictionary definition. One, excessive or blind patriotism uh, compared to, it's like jingoism. Or number two, undue partiality or attachment to a group or place to which one belongs or has belonged. Or number three, an attitude of superiority towards members of the opposite gender, also behavior expression of such an attitude. Compa uh, compare male chauvinism. I had an interesting conversation over the long weekend about my shallow post with a few uh, red pill friends. 
The topic of NLP, which is neurolinguistic programming, and how select terms are owned by the feminine imperative was discussed. It's interesting to dissect how the terminologies of certain feminine social conventions have entered our contemporary lexicon, as the official definitions we simply take for granted in our blue pill ignorance, right, like what marriage is, for example. The subjective nature of terms like shallow and superficial are easy examples of this feminine repurposing. But then, when you get to misogynist, uh, bedroom funnist, and of course, chauvinist, you can see how these official terms evolved into what they are today. In fact, bedroom funnism was so universally defined as male-specific, Webster needed a new word to describe a female form of bedroom funnism, reverse bedroom funnism. And of course, misandrist still gets the red underscore of misspelled word in my WordPress spell checker. So, the problem I see in defining chauvinism, particularly as opposed to the M-word, they're practically synonyms in the lexicon of the feminine imperative. The biggest fantasy I think most uh, loser guys and all women I've re- uh, read right on uh, chauvinism subscribes to is that women own this term. It's absolutely possible to describe a woman as a chauvinist, but in a modern context, it's been uniquely defined in the masculine. In fact, to get down to the roots of the term when it was defined as a masculine attribute, the original terminology was male chauvinist pig, courtesy of Gloria Steinem and the militant feminist movement of the 1970s. However, more important is how the term has become synonymous with masculinity. For the past 40 years, it's been developed in westernized society that masculine equals chauvinist, and that any uniquely masculine trait, behavior, or characteristic is at the very least suspect, if not outrightly so. Um, Why is this? Why should a man be labeled as chauvinistic for expressing his masculinity? Masculinity and the behaviors that are derived from it are no more negative than those expressed in the feminine, depending upon individual conditions. But it's the masculine that's vilified by both genders, at least in the last 60 years. Uh, Yeah, positive masculinity. So, So why can't the masculine be positive? The underlying theme for the rational male is an effort to get back to a positive definition of masculinity. That's not advocating a, you know, caveman ideology. Rather, it's a move back to defining the masculine in terms that don't equate it with chauvinism. The difficulty occurs in attempting to relate to both men and women a need to unlearn this pre-described terminology that even our own parents helped browbeat into cultural consciousness. Chauvinism as masculinity has been parroted constantly for so long now that a new generation of loser sons from loser fathers are now resorting to internalizing this doctrine and ego investing themselves in avoiding anything even remotely construed as masculine in a desperate attempt to identify with what other women repeating the same ideology, which is that masculinity equals domineering oppression, uh, what they've been socially conditioned to accept as what a man should be to achieve the gift of their intimacy. Deep stuff. So again, you can read that on the Rational Mail. Uh, sorry, on uh, yeah, the Rational Mail uh, blog. Or you could get his book, same name. Who would have believed that? It's like that's a miracle that that occurs. And it's not like people just figured that out overnight. How are we going to come up with an idea like that? Well, it's like, well, we thought about it for 7 million years. And, uh, you know, we got to the point where we could kind of act it out. But we didn't know what we were doing. But... It was a, it emerged like a dream. It was, so the terror of the future is a dream. And the solution to the terror, the dream of the terror of the future, is another dream. And, and it, it comes out in mythology and in fantasy and in drama, where you act out the sacrifice. And then it's a step on the way to full understanding. So we can say sacrifice now instead of doing it, you know, although we still do it. It's just not concretized like it used to be. 
Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, it's funny because actually on, on my channel, I'm constantly saying like, in order to be successful, you have to struggle, you have to fight, you have to sacrifice. It requires blood, sweat, and tears. It requires effort. It requires commitment. It requires dedication. And more than this, it requires you to put it above everything else in your life, right? Like a successful man is one that puts the sacrifice, the struggle, his mission above everything else in life, right? What he wants to achieve is the top and everything else comes under that. Um, so that's, that's that. We do it abstractly and we all have faith that it will work. You know, and we also set up our society so that it'll work. And one thing about, you know, I'm not a fan of moral relativism for a variety of reasons, partly because I think it's an, it's an extreme form of cowardice. But anyways, apart from that, no, 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 no. There's minimal ways that you can set up a society that will work. And so one of them is, is that the society has to be set up so that your sacrifices will pay off or you won't work and then the society will die. Ah, yes, indeed. So, notice what Jordan said. The society has to be set up in such a way that your sacrifice will be rewarded or you won't work. So, this is directly related to the deregulated SMP. So, when I say SMP, I mean the bedroom fund marketplace. So, normally, for a stable society, what happens, okay? Here is, here is the point of society. You get all men, the winners and the losers, all men, the good ones and the ones that are you know, less good, they work to improve their lot. Why? Well, they work to improve their lot because they know that if they do, they will be able to get married and have children. And um, as a result of the, and then their genes will pass on to the next generation and their children will be successful, Right. And so they, they gain a form of immortality, right? So even though this, their whole life is sacrifice and work and struggle, they still, there is still a, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel. There's still a, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, right? But in modern times, men are taught that, that your sacrifice will be rewarded. And then when they actually go to capitalize on their sacrifice, right? and I mean the bottom 80% of men, which is a gigantic population, they get utterly rejected and they're invisible. And so their sacrifice doesn't work. And then what happens? Well, what happens is the first generation does it, the sacrifice doesn't work, they end up miserable. Then the ne- And when I say miserable, I mean literally unable to get laid or, or pass on their genes, right? And because the, the fundamental idea of biology is to reproduce, right? So... So those men then tell the next generation of men and those men don't believe it and they go into the same situation. They also are miserable and so on. Um, and, and then men start to walk away because culturally they learn that their sacrifice is not rewarded. And it's because um, these in the deregulated SMP, um, only the top 20% win no matter what they do, right? Um and so the bottom 80% don't want to do anything. So again, guys, if we don't have enforcement monogamy, society crumbles. And it's not a, it's not a quick decline, it's a slow decline. Um, and then all at once, the bottom falls out, right? And that's the direction we're heading in right now. 
That's where we're headed. That's why I believe enforced monogamy is so important because it literally has gigantic negative consequences in the future. And so it has to make promises. People have to make promises to one another. And that's what money is. Money is a promise that your sacrifice will pay off in the future. That's what money is. And so if the society is stable, you can store up your work right now. You can sacrifice your impulses and you can work and you can store up credit for the future. And then you can make the future a better place. But society has to be stable enough to allow for that. Hyperinflation will do you in. So the promise that... I didn't even consider that. That's a very interesting idea. I, but yeah, uh, actually, when, I, I was thinking about it in terms of the SMP. But the regular marketplace is also like, like this. And um, hyperinflation is the idea that money becomes worth less over time, right? If inflation is too high, all that effort you put in just screws you over. Like, because it has no compounding effect for the future. But as you get older, you get weaker, right? Um, I mean, yes, if you train, you slow the effects down, but, um, you know, weakening in the future is inevitable. So you need to be able to give yourself, you know, the ability to have comfort when you're older, right? It's implicit in the currency is the promise that what you're doing now will pay off in the future. And if people don't have that promise, then, well, we know what they do. Because in, in gangs, for example, in, say, gangs in North America... The time horizon of the gang members shrinks rapidly because they don't really expect to be alive much past 21. And so they get really impulsive and violent. And like, why the hell not? That's, that's what you do when, there when the is future no doesn't future. Yeah. matter, when it's not real. You, you default back to living in the moment and you take... Oh, uh, I forgot to mention this as well. Um, all that is required by a strong uh, dictator-type leader is to say that they'll return the marketplace back to what it was. And a large segment of the population will flock to that um, because they are simply not being served by the current society. So either the laws are going to change organically or the laws are going to change not so organically because you can't have 80% of the men um, in a society being invisible. Um, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't work. Hasn't worked historically. It won't work now. Take what you can get right now. And no wonder, because you don't know if you're going to be around in a, in a year. And you get whatever you can, well, you can bloody well get it. And that's like anarchy, that state. Indeed. And so you don't want to live in, some people like to live in that state because they're really wired for that, you know. And so they're, they're much more comfortable in those conditions. They're, they're kind of like warrior types, I would say, in some sense. But, you know, for most people, that's just, well, that stress will just do you in, you know, the stress of a life like that. So, that's a pretty horrible picture, the one on the right, I think. And, you know, it's, it's a creepy picture. And uh, don't you think? Doesn't, it seems like a creepy picture to me. Okay, let me, let me read this here, and then we'll, uh, I'll comment on it, and then we'll, we'll transition. To avoid becoming snake food, early mammals had to develop ways to detect and avoid the reptiles before they could strike. Some animals evolved better snake sniffers, while others developed immunities to serpent venom when it evolved. Early primates developed a better eye for color, detail, and movement, and the ability to see in three dimensions, traits that are important for detecting threats at close range. Humans are descended from these same primates. So the idea is that, like, snakes um, 
are one of the drivers for why we are the way we are. And that's why in our mythology, the snake is, um, that's why in our mythology, the, the snake is um, so prominent. It gets at something deeper in our evolutionary psyche. All right, uh, let's go to the Reddit post. Um, so, girl 28 got blackout drunk at a Christmas party at work and ended up making out with a colleague who is 20. I have a partner. Uh-oh. This happened a few weeks back. I remember the first part of the evening clearly, just a really cheerful mode and everybody was having a good time. I did not drink often and I guess I just lost control completely. Again, this is trying to, you know, um, take responsibility away from the person that should be taking responsibility, right? She's uh, trying to put the responsibility on something else. It wasn't me. I just got caught up in the moment, etc. But you put yourself in a position where that could happen. So that's already the disrespect, right? Somewhere after dinner, it is all black to me, except for a few fragments, getting inside a cab, but not going anywhere, holding this guy's face between my hands. If I were to puzzle it all together, I could probably have two to three minutes instead of the five hours, which was the actual time I attended the party. No memory at all of what I said. I woke up with a girl colleague that I shared room with, thank goodness, and she retold a lot of the stupid stuff I had done in front of everyone I work with. I have a lot of anxiety as I cheated on my partner. Once I got back, I retailed some of the things that I heard I did. We had a fight, but we're kind of okay now. Yeah, the relationship is over. Don't ever take a girl back that does this. Everyone at work looks at me weird. They know my private situation. Some have even tried talking to me out of hooking up with this guy during the party. I'm not sure how to proceed. Ignore everything? Find a new job? Anyone been in a similar situation? I have a hard time not thinking about this constantly. Uh, update. How much do I tell my partner? He knows that I cheated and do not remember much more than that. He did not ask for details. How much did you drink? Could you have been la la la? Uh, yeah. And, uh, how well do you know the colleague, etc. But again, guys, like, this is, like, what some women do. They purposely put themselves in a situation where they could get, you know, they could get in this state and they say it's not my fault it's it's the it's the whatever i did and then they try to get back in your good graces like no you know what you're like you know what appropriate behavior is you know what you should be doing and that is not it and the relationship should end there okay let's see what the top comment is 829 up, uh, upvotes you're probably going to have to find a new job. Let this be a lesson to everyone that a work Christmas party is not the place or time to let loose. I'm sorry, but there are repercussions for actions even if you don't remember them. It's a work function. You will be judged. That's right. Okay. Uh, okay. 66 of votes. Coworkers aren't your friends. While I don't mind having a few drinks, I'll never let myself get to a point where I can't control my actions or words. It'll absolutely be used against you and will affect you in the future at that workplace. There you go. Okay, guys, we're going to end the video there. Again, if you're new to the channel, liking the content, hit that sub, hit all for notifications. If you'd like to support me, I do have a Patreon with exclusive content, patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Just go there and subscribe to the um, Nebula tier. Um, again, it's patreon.com slash the Helios blog. You can also drop me a donation like Tom M here. Shoutouts to him. Thank you so much, guys, for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to my video. Especially 
if you listen to the end. I really do appreciate it, guys. You're wonderful, and I will see you next time.